0: This is uh, make sure we uh, get some units over here. I need to shut down Douglas, the intersection. 4 Rock, we on my 4 the address? we're talking about the 1200 building. It's going to be the building off of Holmberg Road. to you're listening, listening to your naked, naked your naked your naked pocket your naked the audio you heard in the very beginning was a dispatch call for the parkland school shootings. I'd like to take a minute of silence for us to think about all those who have been lost in school shootings all across the country. That concludes our minute of silence welcome back i'm your naked dad and this is your naked podcast in today's episode we're going to talk about the calm and the chaos school shootings the first known school shooting in the united states happened in the 1700s and about july 26 1764 where four lenape american indian entered the schoolhouse near what would be present at Greencastle, Pennsylvania. They shot and killed the schoolmaster, Notch Brown, and killed nine or ten children. Only two children survived. In the 1800s, a student, Matthew Ward, Ward bought a self-cocking pistol in the morning, went to school, and killed his schoolmaster, Mr. Butler, for excessively punishing his brother the day before. Even though he shot the schoolmaster point-blank in front of his classmates, he was acquitted. In, in 1866, um, the New York Times argued against students carrying pistols, citing pistols being dropped on the floor at balls or being exploded in very inconvenient ways. A boy of 12 has his pantaloons made with a pistol pocket. And this had a boarding school filled with boys who, we suppose, do or wish to do the same thing. And June 8th, in 1867, New York City, a public school number 18, a 13-year-old lad brought a pistol loaded and capped, without knowledge of his parents or his school teachers, and shot and injured a fellow classmate. In 1868, a boy in Tennessee left, refused to be whipped, and left to school. Returned with his brother and a friend the next day to seek revenge on his teacher. Not finding the teacher at the school, they continued to his house. where a gun battle rang out, leaving three dead, only the brother survived. So, as you can tell, school shootings have happened. Violence in schools or towards schools have always happened in history. But why does the most recent, say, from Columbine on, have such resonance among us? And what can we do about it? I want you to take a moment to realize an interesting fact about the history of school shootings and violence in our schools. For the first about 30 uh, years of the 20th century, there are very seldom reports of mass school shootings or any sort of mass murder in our school systems. There's three uh, attacks that involved either arson or explosions. Those are the ones that have the uh, mass uh, death. But if you look back at the history of violence in our schools, you'll see that uh, school shootings in the individual sense is, you know, common. And sadly to say, I mean, you can look back from year to year, those significant ones. It's not common for state to state, but just the whole nation in general. I and mean, you can look back at uh, March eleventh, nineteen 1908, uh, Boston, Massachusetts. Elizabeth Bailey was shot to death by Sarah Chamberlain Weed at Lawrence School, a finishing school in Boston. And then Weed turned the gun on herself and committed suicide. And then you see that kind of being a recurring pattern. Um, in 1934 in Massachusetts, or, uh, so let's do this one. 1933 in Downey, California, Dr. Vernon Blythe shot and killed his wife, Eleanor, as well as his eight-year-old son, Robert, at Gallatin Grammar School and committed suicide after firing three more shots at his other son, Vernon. His wife, who had been a teacher at the school, had filed for divorce the week before. Then you got something, you know, like, um, Take, like for instance, a, uh, uh, right here, um, a Lodi Township, Michigan, back in March 27th, 1919, 19-year-old teacher Irma Kassler was shot and killed in her classroom at Renshler School in Lodi Township, Michigan, by Robert Warner, apparently because she had rejected his advances. So that's something to think about, that violence in our schools isn't necessarily new, uh, violence towards teachers or or anybody. Violence towards teachers or towards figures of authority seems to be a common theme. That if you look back, a very more of a popular method, I guess. Just a sad way to say it. Um, and that's kind of how the history... Goes about itself all the way up into the fifties. You got uh, 1958, New York City, New York. A 17-year-old student shot a boy in the Manual Training High School. You got uh, 1955, Pennsylvania. After some of his dorm mates urinated on his mattress, Bob Betchel, a 20-year-old student at Swarthmore College, returned to his dorm with a shotgun and used it to shoot and kill fellow student Holmes Streiser, or something like that. Uh, 19 60, June 7th, Plain, Minnesota. Lester Betts, a 40-year-old male carrier, walked into the office of 33-year-old Principal Carson Hammond and shot him to death with a 12 gauge shotgun. So violence is happening all over. Tomah, Wisconsin, 1969. Principal Martin Morganson is shot to death in his office by a 14-year-old boy armed with a 20-gauge shotgun. Here's one for you that kind of stands out to me. In 1968, Orangeburg, South Carolina, in the days leading up to February 8th, 1968, about 200 mostly student protesters gathered on the campus of South Carolina State University located in the city of Orangeburg to protest the segregation of the All-Star Bowling Lane. The bowling alley was owned by the late Harry K. Floyd. That night, students started a bonfire. As... Police attempted to put out the fire. An officer was injured by a thrown piece of banister. The police said they believed they were under attack by small weapons fire. The officers fired into the crowd, killing three young men, Samuel Hammond, Delano, Delano Middleton, and Henry Smith, and wounding 27 others. There's that. So, and this, you know, once again, keeps continuing uh, on into the 70s and the 90s, he got something like uh, St. Louis County, Missouri, the Parkway South Middle School 8th grader brought a blue duffel bag containing two pistols and a murder-suicide note that outlined his intention to kill the next person, heard speaking ill of his older brother, Ken. He entered a study hall classroom and opened fire, killing two fellow students. The first victim was shot in the stomach, and the second victim received a non-fatal gunshot wound to the abdomen. Then he said, no one will ever call my brother a pussy again then committed suicide. That was January 20th, 1983. So, that's the 80s. And then we get to 1989. Now, this one stands out to me. Actually, we'll go 1988. There's one that really stands out. In Virginia Beach, Virginia Elliott opened fire with a SWD Cobra M11 semi-automatic pistol on his teachers at the Atlantic Shores Christian Schools. School. His first shot struck teacher Karen Farley in the arm. When she went down, he killed her at point-blank range. He then injured Sam Marino. He turned the Cobra towards his classmates, but the gun jammed and was quick, quickly subdued by M. Hutcherson Madison, a teacher, before he could fire another round. So this one had the potential to be a mass school shooting, um, but luckily it wasn't. Here's another one for you. Uh, going back to that one in Virginia Beach. Uh, just think, about, There was a semi-automatic pistol, an M-11. A Cobra M-11 semi-automatic pistol was used. In 1986, the Cokeville Elementary School uh, hostage crisis in a ransom scheme, David and Doris Young, both in their 40s, took 150 students and teachers hostage on that spring day. Their demand for $300 million came to an abrupt end when Doris accidentally set off a bomb killing herself and injuring 78 students and teachers. David wounded John Miller, a teacher who was trying to flee, then killed himself. Something to think about. But going back to this one here, in 1989, January 17th, Cleveland School Massacre of Stockton, California, where five school children were killed and 29 wounded, by a single gunman firing over 100 rounds into a schoolyard with AK-47s. So mass school shootings, as you can see, happened in the 80s. School shootings in themselves, in themselves happen throughout the history, especially the 20th century, the history, though, of United States public schools and our education in general. So let's dive into the 90s. So now we come to the 1990s. Want you get an idea? According to the National School Safety Center, um, in 92 to 93 there was 44 homicides and 55 deaths. In 1993 there was 42 homicides and 51 deaths. In 94 and 95, 17 homicides and 20 deaths. And from 95 to 96, 29 homicides and 35 deaths. And from 96 to 97, we see 23 homicides and 25 deaths. In 97 to 98, we see 35 homicides and 40 deaths. And in 1998 through 1999, we see 25 homicides from school shootings and in 1999 to 2000, 25 homicides from school shootings. And according to the U.S. Department of Education, there in the year 1998 through 1999, the school year, 3,523 students were expelled for bringing a firearm. Of those 3,523 students, 10% 10% were elementary students, 33% were junior high, and 57% were high school. Now, as we see a in the 90s, in the late 90s, there was a major reduction in gun-related school violence, but we are still plagued with multiple victim shootings. The reason why the 1990s is so significant is because of April 20th, in 1999 in Littleton, Colorado. 14 students, including shooters and one teacher killed, 27 others wounded at Columbine High School and it is in the nation's deadliest school shooting. Eric Harris, 18 and Dylan Klebald, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing the names right, had plotted for a year to kill at least 500 and blow up their school. At the end of their hour-long rampage, they turned their guns on themselves. The reason why the 1990s is significant is you'll see that the Columbine school shootings ushers in a new era of mass school shootings. And what I mean by that, not like there's a whole bunch of school shootings going on, but I'm talking about a whole bunch of people dying in one school shooting. So that leads us up to our next question. Why do school shootings keep happening? While the answer is simple, well, the question, I'm sorry, is simple, the answer can be a little complicated. If you take the U.S. population, there is about 334 million people and you take the number of guns, according to the Geneva-based organization Small Arms Survey, there is 390 million guns. We have the highest civilian gun ownership in the world, and there is no one coming close. Another element is the school safety is not as high as it should be. It's easy to maintain school safety, but not everybody does a good job of that. And the third element that you could say, social media. Um, Social media can make it okay to act on violence. There is a faction of right-wing government elements and left-wing elements, and there's people who will support you. Um, I mean, take, for instance, the U.S. border. It's populated by a lot of citizens who have dubbed themselves border protection And they stand at the border with guns, waiting for someone to legally cross the border. And they take them into custody, even though they are not law enforcement. So, we know, we have an idea what plays a role into why this happens. And let's take a look at something a little bit different. Actually, this is going to be based off of Britannica, the source. So what is the definition of a school shooting? Obviously, you would know is when a student at an educational institution, elementary, middle, or high school, college, or university, shoots and injures or kills at least one or other student or faculty member on the grounds of that institution. (sighs) If you take a look at Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold, they killed 13 people before taking their own lives. They garnered massive media attention and sparked a national debate on gun violence. In addition, some schools then began to take extra security precautions. Now, if you take a look at this, you understand that school shootings still have happened. You know, we've done so much in terms of trying to be proactive of putting metal up and metal detectors up and all that stuff, but they still happen. Take, for instance, Virginia Tech in 2000, where 32 people were killed before Gunman Chow Sing-Hoo Cho from South Korea took his own life. Um, look at Newton, Connecticut, where 20-year-old Adam Lanza killed 27 people before committing suicide. Shortly before the attack, he had killed his own mother. The shooting garnered particular attention due to the age of the victims. 20 of those killed were 6- to 7-year-olds. 6- to 7-year-olds. If you take a look at the risk factors, why, why does it happen, you know, what makes a school shooter? Most studies would tell you social rejection and bullying is a key factor. Um, Romantic rejection, uh, verbal and physical rejection. also, the availability of guns and the consumption of violent media seems to be what a lot of the focus was. You know, you take a look at uh, violent video games and violent music, television shows, and films. Now, you got to remember all three of these things you know, the availability of guns, the rejection, the violent video games doesn't necessarily mean that an individual is going to be a school shooter. These just happen to be common major risk factors. Another one is where social rejection of or boys' masculinity is challenged, particularly in the form of gay baiting. Um, Masculine-driven taunting of boys who became shooters included mocking their physical bodies with labels such as scrawny, little, short, fat, skinny, chubby, or small. Shooters were often bullied male members in school, and the primary bullies of future school shooters were often the most popular male youths in the school. You know, preppies. Thus, when the bullying victims became shooters, they often attacked the popular males who bullied them. However, the shooters were also likely to attack others with low status in the school, as it was not unusual for school shooters to espouse racist dogmas. (coughs) What that means is like, you know, Nazi-like beliefs and, and mantras. Um, Here's something for you when you try to explain um school shootings the majority of them are committed by white middle-class males living in suburban or rural areas In attempting to explain this phenomenon the, the, this is i'm pulling this from britannica so some of it might seem a little wordy um Researchers argue that the African-American parents recognize the need to prepare their children to face not only bullying, but also humiliating racist comments and acts from the dominant culture. They frequently emphasize to the children that racist behaviors are wrong and that their children need not feel alone in their struggle. That might actually explain why it's a white middle class problem, especially a white male. because. If you really think about it, white guys out there, white men, did anyone ever make you feel that you weren't alone in your struggle? No, they normally tell you, tough it up, you know, you can do it, you know, move on. Turn, you know, ignore it. That was a, a big thing growing up. That was what we were always told, us to ignore it, you know. Just ignore it, it'll go away, you know. Ignore it. So, you've got that factor going, going on. You know, you've got the whole realization that mental health plays a role, the accessibility of guns and uh, violent media around you, and then you've got all these dogmas and you know these left-wing, right-wing philosophies that are easy accessible on social media. And you put all those together, and you're bound to at least brew one hell of a nasty person willing to go those lengths. So let's move on. What can we do to stop school shootings and not just stop them, but prevent them in the future? Anybody got an answer? You don't. That's okay. Let's take a moment to listen to, uh, a word from our sponsors, and then we're going to find out out some answers to what we can do. So how can we prevent this and how can we stop it from happening? Well, here are 10 ways, according to theadvocate.org, on how that can happen. Number one, they say start with gun laws, strengthen them, get rid of the inconsistencies from state to state, make it a federal thing and make it consistent. Number two, talk about mental health. Every school shooter you can look at has some sort of mental health issue. We need to take away the stigma and make access to mental health accessible and easy to do in in schools. Number three, increase school counselors. Number four, improve security protocols at schools. We don't want our kids to feel like a prison, but we also want them to make them feel safe. Focus on the victims and families rather than the school shooters. News and media outlets usually show coverage of the shooter, often providing details about his history and his life, but they don't talk about the victims. Incorporate lessons of emotional and social skills. Monitor social media use. And right. the de- decrease exposure to violence in media. Number nine, create and implement a system of safe reporting. And number 10, involve parents and the community. Well, I'm going to take a look back at this. I'm look at this list, and I'll tell you how much I agree with it and what I think should be. We'll take a number one, start with gun laws and strengthen them. I, I agree that we need to um, strengthen gun laws. I think that's an integral part to make guns not so accessible by those who shouldn't have them. I think each state should be consistent with their gun laws. You shouldn't be you should be able to, to purchase a gun the same way in Wisconsin as you would in the state of Rhode Island. Mental health. Many of the active shooters in schools have been unstable. This is a root one of the parts of the problem. This is one of the roots of the problem. A lot of these kids lack the mental health needed. So, But if you look at mental health, you'll start to realize that one other part that comes with it is mental health involves learning emotional and social skills. Um, So you take a look at that, and and you start to realize that it's a necessity. Now, I want to give you an idea. I used to work at a treatment facility we get guys from all ages from 18 to 72 you you name it they would come in and they would spend 30 days but you would see something astonishing almost all of them had no coping skills whatsoever they were a mess liquor drugs were their were their only coping skill and so Part of their rehab was actually learning how to cope and handle stress in life. Like, I want you to imagine something that would stress you out at a minimal basis. Oh man, Uh, I'm short gas money. This is gonna kind of put a damper in my plans for tonight. But for someone who has no coping skills, that's insane amount of stress. But I think that coping skills and emotional skills goes hand-in-hand with mental health. We need to remove the stigma of talking about mental health for young males, and we need to also make it as easy and available for males. Now, the other one was an increase in school counselors. Well, I think, you know, that's an agreeable thing, but that's also going to be an issue of, you know, funding, and that's always an issue with how to conduct business in terms of tackling the violence in schools. Now, you can improve security protocols at schools, and uh, once again, that falls into the prison category, not prison, sorry, the funding category. And um, another thing that they say here is focus on victims and families rather than the shooter. Now, as much as I would like that to be a reality, it doesn't make good television. No one wants to learn about the families. Everyone wants to know why he did it, why that person shot at the school. What was their motivation? That's what they're looking for. So. You got all that going for you, and then you got something like um, the decrease exposure in violence to violence in media. Listen, there has been no statistical evidence that implements that violence in media affects your behaviors. I mean, there's nothing that you can scientifically say that proves that. However, you add that with other factors like no coping skills, bullied. All these other factors in life, and you've got to brew for an explosive soup. Another one is create and implement a system of safe reporting. I absolutely agree with that, 100%. And number 100, or number 10, sorry, is involving parents and communities. I don't necessarily think that's always the greatest idea, being that you're going to have two people with very differing point of views. I think if you're going to go with a community approach, you need to have a moderator, someone who can just sit there and answer the questions and calm them down. Now, that's all I got to say about so the school shootings and all that stuff. I don't really know what else to tell you. I mean, school shootings obviously haven't stopped. We have all the information on what to do with them. We have a whole history of school shootings but we haven't figured out how to address it, and each school is going to be different, and it's you know it's so politicized. But I just want to say one thing: that these families deserve answers and closure. They deserve you to go, and and get the closure. The other thing you got to think about is students need to feel safe where they go to school. Teachers need to be safe need to feel safe where they work. And the community needs to feel safe knowing that we took away the ability for someone to cause harm to himself or to others. And we stopped it from happening. And the biggest reason you can do that is love. Love your child. Remind them how great you think they are. Remind them every day. That's all I got for you. My name is your Naked Dad. You're listening to your Naked Podcast, and this has been the episode of The Calm and the Chaos, School of Shootings. Hey, 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 hold on, hold on, one second. Hold on, hold on. on, Don't go anywhere. It's me, your Naked Dad. Say, listen, the next episode of The Calm and the Chaos, we're going to focus on the Ukrainian war going on right now. And we're going to talk about how that affects you Everything going on with it, the history of it, all that stuff, all that jazz. So stay tuned for another episode coming up. And I'm not sure when, but it's coming up soon. You know, you know, it's coming out. Could be days, could be weeks. But you don't know until you know. All right. Uh, so just stay tuned for another episode of the Calm of the Chaos, Renaked Naked Podcast. I talk about the Ukrainian War. So... How can we prevent this and how can we stop it from happening? Well, here are 10 ways according to theadvocate.org on how that can happen. Number one, they say start with gun laws, strengthen them, get rid of the inconsistencies from state to state, make it a federal thing and make it consistent. Number two, talk about mental health. Every school shooter you can look at has some sort of mental health issue we need to take away the stigma and make access to mental health accessible and easy to do in school. school and schools. Number three, increase school counselors. Number four, improve security protocols at schools. We don't want our kids to feel like a prison, but we also want them to make them feel safe. Focus on the victims and families rather than the school shooters. News and media outlets usually show coverage of the shooter, often providing details about his history and his life, but they don't talk about the victims. Incorporate lessons of emotional and social skills. Monitor social media use. Number eight, expose, de- decrease exposure to violence in media. Number nine, create and implement a system of safe reporting. And number 10, involve parents and the community. Well, I'm going to take a look back at this. I'm going to look at this list and I'll tell you how much I agree with it and what I think should be. We'll take a number one. Start with gun laws and strengthen them. I I agree that we need to um, strengthen gun laws. I think that's an integral part to make guns not so accessible by those who shouldn't have them. I think each state should be consistent with their gun laws. You shouldn't be you should be able to, to purchase a gun the same way in Wisconsin as you would in the state of Rhode Island. Mental health. Many of the active shooters in schools have been unstable. This is a root one of the parts of the problem. This is one of the roots of the problem. A lot of these kids lack the mental health needed. So but you if you look at mental health, you'll start to realize that one other part that comes with it is mental health involves learning, emotional, and social skills. Um, so you take a look at that, and you, and you start to realize that it's a necessity. Now, I want to give you an idea. I used to work at a treatment facility. we get guys from all ages, from 18 to 72. You, you name it, they would come in, and they would spend 30 days, but you would see something astonishing almost all of them had no coping skills whatsoever they were a mess liquor drugs were their were their only coping skill and so part of their rehab was actually learning how to cope and handle stress in life like i want you to imagine something that would stress you out at a minimal basis you know, like, oh man Uh, I'm short, gas, money, I is going to kind of put a damper in my plans for tonight. But for someone who has no coping skills, that's insane amount of stress. But I think that coping skills and emotional skills goes hand in hand with mental health. We need to remove the stigma of talking about mental health for young males, and we need to also make it as easy and available males. Now, the other one was an increase in school counselors. Well, I think, you know, that's an agreeable thing, but that's also going to be an issue of, you know, funding. And that's always an issue with how to conduct business in terms of tackling the violence in schools. Now, you can improve security protocols at schools. And uh, once again, that falls into the prison category, not prison, sorry, the funding category. And uh, um, another thing that they say here is focus on victims and families rather than the shooter. Now, as much as I would like that to be a reality, it doesn't make good television. No one wants to learn about the families. Everyone wants to know why he did it, why that person shot at the school. What was their motivation? that's what they're looking for. So you got all that going for you. And then you got something like um, the decrease exposure in violence to violence in media. Listen, there has been no statistical evidence that implements that violence in media affects your behaviors. I mean, there's nothing that you can scientifically say that proves that. However, you add that with other factors like no coping skills, bullied, all these other factors in life, and you got to brew for an explosive soup. Another one is create and implement a system of safe reporting. I absolutely agree with that, 100%. And number 100 or number 10, sorry, is involving parents and communities. I don't necessarily think that's always the greatest idea being that you're going to have two people with very differing point of views. I think if you're going to go with a community approach, you need to have a moderator, someone who can just sit there and answer the questions and calm them down. Now, that's all I got to say about so, the school shootings and all that stuff. I don't really know what else to tell you. I mean, school shootings obviously haven't stopped. We have all the information on what to do with them. We have a whole history of, school shootings, but we haven't figured out how to address it. and each school is going to be different and should, you know it's so politicized. but I just want to say one thing that these families deserve answers and closure. They deserve you to go and, and get the closure. The other thing you got to think about is students need to feel safe where they go to school. Teachers need to, be, need to feel safe where they work. And the community needs to feel safe knowing that we took away the ability for someone to cause harm to himself or to others. And we stopped it from happening. And the biggest reason you can do that is love. Love your child. Remind them how great you think they are. Remind them every day. That's all I got for you. My name is your Naked Dad. You're listening to your Naked Podcast, and this has been the episode of The Calm and the Chaos School of Shootings.